Remember Pope John Paul I? He was the Pope that followed Paul VI and preceded John Paul II. He was Pope for only 33 days. He was elected on August 26, 1978 and died in the papal apartment on September 28th of that same year at the age of 65, shocking the whole world. This past week, Pope Francis signed a decree recognizing a miracle attributed to his intercession, opening the way to his beatification. Born Albino Luciani, Pope John Paul I was first Bishop of Vittorio Veneto, then named Patriarch of Venice, and shortly thereafter made a cardinal in 1973. He was a bishop who was dedicated to the poor and to those with disabilities. He also was a pope who began to change the papacy as he rejected the papal tiara and called his first mass as pope an inauguration instead of a coronation. The miracle involved a young girl in Buenos Aires, Argentina, who had a severe case of encephalitis and uncontrollable brain seizures that caused her to eventually go into septic shock. When the doctors told her family that she would likely die that night, they began to pray for the intercession of John Paul I. No spoilers here. She didn't die and completely recovered. Pope John Paul I used to say that we should try to improve the church by becoming better ourselves. That's good advice. Pope John Paul I, pray for us. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and I'm very happy to say that joining me right now already is Jillian Cantor. Jillian. Hello. Hello. What do we do here now? Do I take over the show? Is this what's happening? Oh, no, no. Well, maybe maybe our <laughs> listeners would rather have Jillian Cantor hosting the show. Wouldn't that be fun? You should. Maybe have- they would rather have any one of my six children hosting How the show. How fun would that be? We should see if your children want to co-host. Um, did you have a good Thanksgiving? It was very good. A lot of food was consumed. Mm-hmm. Thanks was given. Games were played. People slept in. It was great. It was great. There we go. Things mothers look forward to. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jillian, today we're going to have a, a usual show. We Jermaine is going to be back to tell us mm-hmm. uh, about a book that he read. It's a book about someone who went from agnostic to Baptist to Catholic. So it's a little bit of a conversion story. So I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what Jermaine has to say about that. That's going to be in about five minutes. And then, Jillian, you're going to be here to tell us what you learned from your kids. Something I learned from my kids. No, you're not going to give us a little teaser or anything? Just keep it in suspense? (laughs) Just a little something. As always, something I learned from my kids. Something you learned from your kids. And thanks to you, we also learned from your kids. So that's going to be in about 15 minutes. Okay. I'll be waiting anxiously. You'll be here in about 15 minutes, what I learned from my kids. And then, okay, so you're a parent. So this is a good question for you. Do you, uh, I should qualify, you're a Catholic parent who actually <laughs> cares, who actually cares about, about your children learning something about the faith. Do you, are yes, you, I are do. You, I do care about that. Do you, do you struggle to find, do you struggle with what your kids are watching on TV? Like, how do you manage that? Like in terms of, or are you yeah. looking for Christian or Catholic shows for them to watch? We are not only because, uh, what is the reason? Because <laughs> this is too much we work. do have a thought process here. <laughs> <laughs> too much work. No, well, it is a lot of work, one. 
finding that thing that's quality, that's going to attract their attention mm. and that it's going to be the thing that they talk about or keeps them coming back. That's tricky. Yeah. Um, I think we live in a day and an age where it is easier to control what your children are watching because of the streaming services and the on demand. So I get to pick when my kids, like whenever they, mommy can I have a show. Um, I guess in the olden days, we might put on a DVD or VHS yeah. if you want to go that far back. Yes. Um, and then that is, that's your control there, as opposed to just turning on a television, a children's network, and then just letting them watch. I feel like that was maybe a bit more iffy, like what's the content? What are they le right. learning or listening? there you don't you're never really sure right um but we get to pick the program that they watch and mm -hmm. i can pre-watch if i need to or yeah just yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you wish that there but was it, do you wish that there was more catholic like good kids tv shows that were catholic specifically well yes and no um i wonder what that would look like mm. really because i just want good quality programming that yeah has good values that has good role models yeah, that's not stupid. um yeah. yeah and that it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to come from a faith perspective it doesn't necessarily have to be teaching them something about the faith those are good things and that would be awesome in a program as long as like i said before like it's inter interesting it's right. eye-catching well yeah. keeping their attention um and teaching it doesn't have to be that though as long as they've got those values and role models and yeah Okay, so, things so, so you might be interested in, in our feature interview today because have you heard of a, a new Catholic kids show called Studio 316? I have not. Okay, so Tell me more. we're going to learn all about Studio 316. It's a new production from a company called Cross Boss Media. Um, but I'm sure That's they just, me. yeah, cross boss media. Um, we're going to be speaking with Shevin McCullough, who is the lead writer for the show. And he's also, he also stars in it. Um, and all I'm going to say is that it's a high energy, well-produced, yep. uh, Catholic TV show for kids. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Maybe, and I would say maybe your older kids, not, not so much the younger ones, but, but I, I hope that all parents out there listening might mm -hmm. want to tune in to find out about Studio 316. So that's going to be in about 25 minutes. So I'm sure Jillian will stick around to listen to our conversation with Shevin, Shevin McCullough in, uh, in 25 minutes. And then at the end of the show, as we always do, we end with a, a, a composer, a musician, a singer-songwriter. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to be meeting a liturgical composer, Stephen Pishner. Stephen has been writing liturgical music for many, many, many years. And in fact, several of his songs can be found in your GIA hymnals. Uh, so when you're in church, you might see his name in, in, the, uh, in the hymnal. Um, so we, we're going to be speaking with Stephen Pishner at the end of the show. Um, a reminder. And then you and I get to do a duet. We sing one of the songs from oh, the hymnal, you and I. We should together. do that, Jillian, that maybe people would stick around and listen to the whole show if we told them that Jillian and I are going to do, do a duet. And then they will never tune in again. So <laughs> maybe stick we around should. for something. It's going to be good. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Anyway, but if people want to listen to the whole show, you know, they and but maybe they can't because they're driving and and they arrived at their destination or something, you know that you can always go to our website, slmedia.org, and you can also podcast the show wherever you, you get your podcasts, so there's no excuses. Anyway, Jillian, sit back. We're going to start with a song. Here's Stephen Pishner with We Will Get Through This Storm. We will get through the storm Through the sickness, death, and pain we will walk in the sunlight 
will dance in the rain For I, the Lord, am with you I know your story and your name Come walk with me Come walk with me In faith The crosses that you bear I bear them with you The tears that you cry I cry with you too The pain that you feel I feel that pain too For I am your God I am always with you We will get through the storm Through the sickness, death and pain We will walk in the sunlight We will dance in the rain For I, the Lord, am with you I know your story and your name Come walk with me Come walk with me In faith I have written your name On the palm of my hand I will never forget you, by your side I stand. When you reach out your hand, I reach out mine too. For I am your God, I am always with you. We will get through the storm, through the sickness, death and pain. We will walk in the sunlight We will dance in the rain For I, the Lord, am with you I know your story and your name Come walk with me Come walk with me In faith Rejoice! Lift up your heart I surround you with love A love that will never end We will get through the storm Through the sickness, death and pain We will walk in the sunlight We will dance in the rain For I, the Lord, am with you I know your story and your name Come walk with me Come walk with me In That was Stephen Pishner with We Will Get Through the Storm, 
We're going to be speaking with Stephen Pishner in about 45 minutes, so I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for Book Ends with Jermaine Bagnell. Jermaine, it's good to see you. Yes, likewise. How are you doing, sir? I am good. I'm good. And, and, and I'm always doing reading, and I know that you are, so you spent, uh, spent the summer doing, uh, doing some reading. Yes, yes. Spent some time going through my backlog catalog of books that I have long been on my list. Yeah. Uh, today, you know, be a little different. Normally, I always include a book for the grown-ups and then a book for the children. Sorry, kids. Next time, I promise to have something for you. Uh, today, it's just the sole focus on a book that was released last year in 2020 by Ignatius Press by Ian Murphy called Dying to Live. From right. agnostic to Baptist to Catholic. Okay. Yeah. So what initially drew me to this book actually was having a very similar faith journey. Uh, although I was baptized Catholic, I didn't really go to church growing up. And then about my high school's kind of agnostic, even though I was in Catholic high school, please don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> went to Protestant school and then, you know, found my way back, uh, found my way back home. Yeah. And it's a little different with Ian Murphy. What I found very fascinating in his story was that during his time in, in high school, and high school I found typically is when, you know, kids question and, mm -hmm. and really step away. That's where he seemed to be really embedded in his faith. He wasn't Catholic at the time within it. This isn't a big spoiler. You know, this is going to be part of the book. Um, but he's in the midst of his, his Baptist uh, faith journey. Uh, but I just found that in itself unique just because I, I found that, you know, during high school, during universities, really when, when students uh, step away. And, and it was interesting to see somebody engage so deeply with their faith, uh, even to the point where within this book, he had to argue for his faith, to be able to speak about it in public. Uh, and this, this stems from his time when he was supposed to give a valedictorian talk which there's a very interesting story about uh, surrounding that within the book. Uh, you know, it, it, it may or may not involve a, a helicopter chase. It, <laughs> it may or may not. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just really fascinating. And, and seeing as he sort of progressed through his journey, you know, uh, the thing that I also, what resonated was through his, his journey to Catholicism, he was encountering Catholics. And it wasn't so much that people were, were preaching to him that, you know, you need to be Catholic, you must be Catholic. They were just living witnesses. Mm -hmm. They were just living out their faith. And if he would ask them about it, there was a, a kindness that came with it, a love that came with it. And it, it's, it's so important for all of us to, to remember that when we're confronted with somebody who may have challenging questions about the faith or have questions about the faith period the thing that was so powerful for for ian murphy through his journey was always continually encountering kindness and continually encountering people truly living it out for him he comes from a family of protestants with the exception of a few family members yeah uh, his grandfathers and and these these rocks within his life really played an interesting pivotal role and part of his journey, which is a vast departure from my own, is, he, you know, at one point he's at a Baptist college, a Bible college, yeah. you know, doing uh, theological studies at, 
for a Protestant denomination. Meanwhile, he's seriously considering the Catholic faith. So it's really interesting to see how somebody's conflict, how, how they live it out and kind of kind of get through it is really, really interesting. Uh, I think it's, it's really useful for Catholics across the board because they'll have a greater understanding for friends and family who might be considering the faith. And you get a bit of an insight to the struggle of what it means to like wrestle with these theological concepts or even for some even just the idea of, of god as a whole yeah. and for those who have converted you you know you've done your rcia it's almost an interesting look back because you could see some of yourself in part of his journey mm-hmm. and and that was definitely the case for myself so i yeah. i think it's a a really i think it's a good read uh, across the board but, uh, I think you. Th- I think you should add this to the list, Pedro. I'm. I'm actually interested. I'm always fascinated. You and I have had this conversation. I'm always fascinated about mm-hmm. why uh, why people convert to Catholicism. Like, what is it the thing that turns you on, um, or or that makes sense? Like, where does the penny drop? And for some people, um, I mean, the fact that he found the Baptist Church, um, and then from then became a Catholic I, I, is is fascinating. Um, and I agree with you that that even for us like cradle Catholics, we take it for granted all mm-hmm. the, the beauty and the truth and the goodness of the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, so to hear others talk about it, it is, is evangelizing to us. Absolutely. And, and they talk a little bit about that in the book and it, you actually see the perspective where he talks about his, his family's outright hostility towards Catholicism and Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting, interesting to kind of get that inside view. And he talks about going to Ireland where he was in Northern Ireland for during university wow. and getting that encounter. Cause this is in the mid nineties this is in the height of the troubles mm. and seeing how he's received because Murphy there is a Catholic name, but he's a Protestant. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. dying, dying to leave to live by Ian Murphy published by Ignatius um, Germain. Again, I, I there's I have way too many books on my list, but this is going to have to add this one to it. Um, it'll flip just it have in, to flip wait till I get uh, to the bottom of the pile. Anyway, thank you, Jermaine. Thank you so much for that suggestion, and looking forward to next time. Likewise, likewise, Jermaine Bagnell. He's our book contributor, and he's also the producer of the Salt and Light production, Working in Faith. You can watch that at slmedia.org, and you can follow him at Jermaine Bagnell. Hey, I'm Kathleen. And I'm Jesse, and we are found together. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor, who is still sitting here patiently listening. I'm engaged I'm loving it. Learning about now books. I'm ready to share. So what did you learn from your kids? Well, there's been a lot of opportunities to learn something from mm-hmm. my kids. We've had an entire summer here. We traveled across the country to visit my family in Saskatchewan. We drove in a van from here to there. So mm-hmm. that provided some opportunities for lessons. Um, we had my parents. They were able to come visit us here. They flew here more lessons. Uh, We spent most of the summer, once we got back, watching two boys play baseball, one who won the championship, one who lost out in the semifinals. Definitely lessons to be learned in both of those situations. Um, But what I'm going to do here, I'm actually going to start with a little story. So get ready. It's time for a tale.
Okay, story time so with Gillian Cantor. Yes, here we go. Um, at the end of August, my dad had a knee replacement surgery. Um, and so as we knew those plans were being made and leading up to those days, I said to my mom that maybe with the kids going back to school in September, there would be an opportunity that Leo and I could come out and visit mom and dad and help dad with his exercises and his recovery and just provide some relief for mom as she cared for him. Um, and so with a lot of help from David and a lot of chore charts and a lot of meals prepped in the kitchen and with a lot of aeroplane points that had been accumulated after not traveling for two years, that's exactly what we did. Leo and I were able to fly out to Saskatchewan and uh, to spend some days with my parents. Um, usually a trip home, if they're always wonderful, it's always good to visit home and to be with my mom and dad. But when you're traveling with a family as large as mine, it also comes with a bit of stress and anxiety. Um, we usually stay with my parents. Um, and so there's just that concern of, are we too loud? Are we disruptive? Uh, is everyone happy? Have we seen everyone? What plans can we make? Are we in the way? Like just always trying to organize, plan, um, keep on top of things, keep people happy, keep people quiet, um, keep people engaged because, you know, we're only here for a limited amount of time. This is your chance to see Grammy and Papa. You have to be on your best behavior all the time so they can see what amazing, wonderful people you are. So trips home are great, but also pretty stressful. This trip was different because it was just me and little Leo, who's almost three. Um, and so it was just, and it was very intentional. Like we were there to help my mom and dad. We weren't there to tour around. We weren't there to visit other people. We were just there for a few days to provide some help and relief and entertainment and distraction and whatever, whatever else it was. Um, and as a result, it was one of the most peaceful, relaxing, restorative trips I have ever had. Um, and it was just a great, great chance to, to be my mom and dad's daughter again, not I mean, I was still there with Leo. I'm still being a mom and I'm still checking in with my other people at home. I'm still David's wife, all those things. But it was just a chance where I could have more opportunities to talk with them and be with them and love them and serve them. Yeah. Um, so it was a very good, very good trip. And Leo was great. He had a good time being the center of attention and it was just wonderful for him too. Um, on our return flight to Toronto, things got very delayed. Um, and so we ended up coming into Toronto around midnight. So I'm lugging a very heavy and tired, very heavy, did I mention heavy? <laughs> Almost three-year-old through the airport. He's flopped out on my shoulder. I've got all of our bags. The straps are cutting off circulation in my arms. I feel like I'm about to drop something, if not everything. And in the middle of that, slugging through the airport, Leo lifts his tired little head off my shoulder and said, well, that was a nice adventure. Oh. And through tears and a little laughter, I said, oh, Leo, yes, it was. It was a nice adventure. I am so glad that I got to go on this trip with you. Thank you for saying that. And I mean, besides it being such a sweet little thing for a two-year-old to think of and then actually say, it reminded me of something my dad had told me when I left many, many years ago to go away to school. His wish for me was have a good adventure. and that's a thing that I really clung to and shared with others and would wish that upon others, like have good adventures, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have good adventures. And I think in our busy summer and in our mothering or my mothering, mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of planning, preparing, scheduling, organizing, bossing around. <laughs> I've been having adventures with my family, but because of all those other tasks of being a mom, 
I forgot about having good adventures. I forgot about enjoying the adventure instead of the responsibility attached to my role and just by nature who I am as a mom and as a kind of an organized micromanaging person. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a beautiful moment to stop and remember to, to just capture what my two-year-old said to me, but to remember what my dad said to me and to to just live that out. Not just have adventures, but to enjoy your adventures, mm-hmm. to have good adventures. Um, you can do that even with the responsibilities attached. It's just a moment, a matter of taking those moments to look at the people you're with, um, maybe delegating a few things. Um, I don't know what it is. We're working on it still, but yeah. it's just a good reminder to have those good adventures. Don't just live the adventure, but live it joyfully. I love that. And maybe the beginning of that is just simply seeing things as adventures and not just like stuff I'd have to do. I got to do this. Yeah. 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 So have adventures, call them adventures and enjoy your adventures. I love that. (laughs) Thank you, Leo, for that lesson. I know. What a little guy. What a little guy who's napping right now. Well, it makes me want to wake him up from his nap and just love him up a little more. All right. (laughs) Jillian, thank you so much for that lesson. Um, thank Leo for that lesson. And uh, enjoy, enjoy. I guess, all the rest of the kids are in school now. So, so I guess you'll have more adventures with just Leo. Yes. Yeah, he's my adventure buddy now. Very good. Jillian Cantor, always learning something from her kids. She's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Coming up in our second half hour, a new Catholic TV series for kids, and we meet liturgical composer Stephen Pishner, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, most of you who are parents are probably concerned about what your kids are watching on TV or online. You wish that there was a good Catholic show that's also high-quality entertainment, that at the same time teaches your kids about the truth, beauty, and goodness of the Catholic Church. Well, this show exists, and it's called Studio 316. It's produced by Cross Boss Media. Studio 316 was developed to give kids and parents, I guess, something else to watch rather than the trashy entertainment that kids are commonly exposed to. The show is co-created by Shevin McCullough, who also writes and stars in the show, and Shevin is here now with me to tell us more. Shevin, welcome to the program. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be spending time with you, Deacon Pedro. So I think a lot of people are still just hearing about Studio 316 for the first time. It's pretty new. What's How would you describe the show? What's the show about? Okay. So you have this, the context of the show. There is a high-spirited yet misguided Christian recording artist. And... <laughs> This, I'm just going to talk from the first person. I started talking yeah, about yeah, it you, right? feel weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm high spirited, misguided, enthusiastic. I believe that the Bible is the living word of God. I know that God's talking to me actively, presently in the Bible. And it's in addition to yeah, being yeah, yeah. a historical book. So, however, I always have a beef with the gospel. Like there's a misunderstanding or mm-hmm. there's a hole that I poke in it. 
that'll kind of trigger the plot, that'll formulate the plot and push the story forward throughout the course of the show. The show is anywhere from 23 to 30 minutes long. Okay. The goal of each episode is that I have to write and perform a song that adheres and promotes and supports the truth of the gospel. Yet I can't write that song until I know what the truth of the gospel actually is. Right. So throughout the course of this journey, I kind of get backed into the truth by the people that visit my studio. Um, so that by the end, like the light bulb comes on and I'm able to do the song. So instead of the one doing the teaching, I'm the one being taught. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. So every episode there, there's, there's a struggle there to understand. You understand it, but there's the whole songwriting thing. So there are other characters that come in and out. Is it, is it kind of like, you know, like the Sesame street community where there's like different characters, like you're in a building, like what is studio 316 in the show? Yeah, sure. Okay. So studio 316 is inside of a commercial building, a warehouse called Salvation Studios. Okay. Salvation Studios is a warehouse full of artists, uh, primarily Christian artists. I see. Studio 316 is on the third floor and it's Suite 16. Right. Um, and it's a recording studio. So numerous people will come over, whether they are, they are painters, uh -huh. singers, sandwich makers. I mean, it's art. So we, we cast a wide net there. And yes, so there are reoccurring and familiar faces, especially a lot, a lot of kids too. Well, I was going to say, cause you have the kids, the cast, a lot of the cast that are kids. So those kids are like going to this particular building in, in the world of the show because they're like in a music camp or something like that. Is that? Well, sort of the, George, the logic? so Yes. Yeah, so let's say they're coming by my studio because they want to record a song or let's say Teresa, who's another co-star, they yeah. come by her studio for voice lessons, but she's not there. So they decide to pop in to see what I I'm see. up to. I see. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that's okay. So, so that's how you get kids in there. You get lots of characters. You get you as the lead struggling through this lesson. Um, yeah. What are some of the topics that you would cover? Or that you covered so far? Um, so we have like kind of how the writing process is structured. I, I'll try to make this as concise as possible. Let's yep. say this Sunday is, I'm just making updates here, but let's say this Sunday is the 20th. Yep. And we realize that we want to release a show the 15th of that week. Mm -hmm. The gospel, our denominator is going to be Sunday's gospel. Okay. So the show that we just released, what's today? Tuesday. The show that we just released, Pat, this past Wednesday, covered this previous Sunday's gospel. Okay, so it is it is attached to the particular gospel of totally. that Sunday. Oh, wow. That's, yes. a, that's a bigger challenge. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, right. We, we do not handpick what we want to talk about. We look at our release date for season one and now season two. And we say, this is when we're going to release. What's that Sunday's gospel? We start there. I do a holy hour. And then we have a consultation call with a biblical, a uh, couple of biblical scholars. One of them is Dr. Uh, John Bergsma mm -hmm. and the other people that we write with. That way we have a deep historical and theological mm -hmm. meaning of what this passage is about. From there, we figure out the aim, what's the goal of the episode, and then we create the plot. So things that we've talked about so far that were in the gospels that we covered, oh man, you have the rich man and, uh, 
detachment. Yeah, so okay. Detachment of your possessions. That was one that just came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you have the uh, love your neighbor. Yeah. Um, that was covered. Divorce was was covered. Right. That was two or three. Okay, weeks so pretty ago. much, pretty much, if people think about what the gospel themes were for the last month or so, you've covered them. Um, yes exactly when that show is released it's released on a wednesday amazing we are going to cover that upcoming sunday's gospel so school utilize the content as well is it your goal then to do like all 52 weeks of the whole according to the liturgical calendar or are you only doing a certain number of episodes that seems like a lot of work you know (laughs) we run pretty hard man uh that would be great but we currently have 18 episodes for one season so we're basically putting out 36 shows that's amazing a year. that's great so, Shevin, uh, what's your background how did you get involved in this um i have a musical background in middle school and high school i got interested in like being a producer and making beats so i did that for about and songwriting and it was very secular worldly hip-hop mm-hmm. rap r&b type of stuff um and then I did that from about, let's say I, I bought my keyboard 16 to about tw- my mid twenties, nothing monetized. Mm-hmm. So then I got into phone sales. I was doing that for six years, then got into real estate for seven years. I had an encounter on a plane ride in July of 2018, where I felt God was calling me to do this. So I left the real estate company to start this with Rob Reynolds. I okay. met Rob when I went to the Franciscan University of Steubenville, okay. but I wasn't Catholic at the time, I converted later. The only reason okay. why I went to the Franciscan was because I was taking care of my grandmother and that was the, she was paralyzed and that was the closest college to where she lived. Wow. So my, my background is in, I would say the artist in me, there, there's musical components, but in regards to figuring out scripts and being in front of a camera and timing and- Right, 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 of course. That, of course, but, like but it's- kind of building, yeah. I guess the, I guess the point is that that this is a ministry and you felt called to do this kind of to do ministry in this way to evangelize this particular age group through this particular media. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. So so yes. who who are the I know the more or less the age group of the kids in the show are sort of those kind of young teenagers or tweenagers is that who the show is for? Yes, it's for about seven to 12 and, yeah. and, and really our hyper focus is on the 11 and, and 12 year old range. Cause if, if we can connect with them, the younger audience, even though they might not necessarily get it, they'll strive to get yeah, it of because course. older kids that they're looking up to are gravitating towards it. So they'll want to gravitate towards it as well. So, so that's the primary target. So, and, and the primary, I guess the people go to their website to watch it. Do they have to subscribe? How does that work? Yes. So studio316.com. The, growing up, we heard you are what you eat. And then I feel like that's kind of yep. transformed or evolved into you are what you watch. Um, yep. So that's why we have our own platform. We want a secure place that parents can trust for them to watch their kids. So it's studio316.com. They can go up there. Everyone can watch one episode for free. And then you have to create an account. When you create an account, you can still watch them for free, but you still have to create an account after the one episode. Right. And right now, in order to keep this thing sustainable, we're relying on the pay it forward model right. that chosen as which, kind of which 
absolutely makes sense. And if anybody's listening, I would really encourage them. I mean, obviously go watch it. And if you like it and it's something that you want to support, you need to support this kind of ministry because it's really expensive. They can't do it without your support. Um, I'd say the same for salt and light media. You know, it's like, if you want to support Catholic media, you have to support it and you have to support it with your wallet. Um, so studio316.com. Shevin, it's been great uh, chatting with you, meeting you. Um, and uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. I think it, it's going to make a huge uh, impact in, uh, in the lives of a lot of kids. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Yeah, we, we want to be loyal to our mission. Our mission is to provide children a genuinely entertaining, secure place to encounter Christ in a way that inspires action. So I feel like as long as we're loyal to that, it'll work out exactly the way God wants it to. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you. God bless. Keep, keep, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Shevin McCullough is the co-founder of Cross Boss Media and the executive writer and lead for Studio 316, a new Catholic kids TV show. You can watch it at studio316.com. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Stephen Pishner, with his single, Quiet My Soul. Quiet my soul, quiet the storms within me, quiet my soul, calm all my inmost fears, quiet my soul, let me hear your voice. Oh God, I know you are here. You knew me before I was born. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know me well. If I run from you, you find me and carry me back. Quiet my soul, quiet the storms within me, quiet my soul, calm all my inmost fears. Quiet my soul, let me hear your voice, oh God, I know you are here. You call me forth to walk upon the water, you hold me in the palm of your hand You know my heart You know my ways You know my voice When I call out your name Quiet my soul Quiet the storms within me Quiet my soul, calm all my inmost fears, quiet my soul, let me hear your voice, oh God I know you are here. 
That was Stephen Pishner with his single, Quiet My Soul. Now, Stephen Pishner has been doing music since he's nine years old. He's a pipe organist and the director of music and liturgy at All Saints Catholic Church in Bridgeport, West Virginia. When he's not being a pastoral musician, Stephen spends a lot of his time composing liturgical songs, many that have been published by GIA Music, and you can find some of them on many GIA hymnals. And so it is a great pleasure to have Stephen Pishner joining us now. Stephen, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Um, I always like asking this question to organists because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you were probably interested in, in the organ as a young, as a kid, right? So what, right. what what was it about the pipe organ that kind of interested, that made you want to learn, hey, I want to learn how to play that instrument? <laughs> well, first of all, I started on piano and piano is yeah. good, but everybody has a piano, but not everybody has no. a pipe organ. Anymore, right? And so, you know, I, would, I mean, most of the, the churches here had electronic organs, but some, when they had pipe organs, I was always fascinated about how does this work and why does this sound so great and the warmth of it. Yeah. You know, when, when you have a pipe organ in a, in a great space, a liturgical worship space, some church, a cathedral, there's something about it just makes the room warm with sound. And of course, now with, you know, with the, the technological age, the digital age, they've done sampling and and done some great things with with electronic digital organs, which, again, you could even make yeah. the make make the thing grander. But I was always interested in in that and the fact that you you got to use your feet as well. I was going to ask you about that. So you are you're like the two feet going. Yeah, two, two feet, two hands. That's everything. amazing. I am so yeah. impressed. I I I mean I I play piano and I I've played yeah. organs, but I and I could probably do one foot if I'm doing a basic kind of bass line. Yeah. Yeah. But you're actually reading like four staffs at the same time. You can. And sometimes it's, it's sometimes you have to divide it up. Your eyes have to divide up all four parts. Now, you know, granted, I play organ every Sunday. I play piano every Sunday. Um, I don't do get as much as I can to go and do more organ literature because right. just, the time just doesn't, it's just not there. But, you know, uh, there was a time when I, you know, in college, you had to get your level every semester you know, really? to, to progress on and, 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 and it was tough, you know, and, and, uh, is it, 
is it hard? I mean, are you like kind of one among very few? Like if, if anybody's looking for like a pipe organist, are you like on the list of five top in your diocese or something like that? Or Well, I wouldn't say that so much, but it's hard to find people that actually play the organ and because that's their instrument. A lot of people yeah. are people who made over from piano and things yes, like that. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. you know, and, 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 and again, my degree is in organ. I have a special, my, my fuller degree is music education. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but I, but I like doing liturgical music. I like doing all kinds of music, but there's something about liturgical music that I don't know, just cuts to the core. I yeah. Mean, that makes um, sense. I was going to ask and, you about, about, I was going to ask you about that because sure. obviously you're, you, you like li playing liturgical music, but you also compose liturgical music. So correct. Mm -hmm. when, when did you start, like, when did that start for you that, you know, you're probably writing songs as a kid, but like, when was it like, I want to write liturgical music. Um, probably the late 80s, I just started trying um, because there was so much music that was coming to me in the mail and subscriptions and and, oh, yeah. and, and you'd, you'd look at the faithful missalette, you know, the old, you'd go into all kinds. Of, I'm thinking like, you know, and you're dating you just, yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, people don't even, some kids don't even know what, what is a missalette. No, I mean, they don't. They read it on their phones if they even read it at all. But But what's funny is that this stuff would come and then I would go and, and, you know, I started playing for mass by myself, so to speak, uh -huh. with a cantor or leader of song or whatever they called it in those days it, it, when I was 12. But I started playing music at nine. I remember I even maybe even before 12, I think I played one song for a school mass. They had it in an auditorium one time at Catholic school. But but they actually trusted me to, to get on the bench and play a full mass at being 12 years old. Wow. Uh, and and from and then. You know, I kind of got asked more and more and more. For much of the time, I, I played a lot of stuff by ear because my reading skills were, you know, yeah. they were yeah, they yeah. were they were what do you want to call it primitive. Yeah. Um, and then and I used to drive some of my piano teachers, and I had a nun who taught me to play the organ. She was fantastic, but sometimes I think someday she went home, and I think she had more gray hair because of me. <laughs> you know, because she'd say your ear is just so so far ahead of yes. your yes, so, yes. And and I and I she says I so know you, you fake it. it yeah. She says, I know you hear great stuff. She says, but we're trying to get you to read this language off this paper, so to speak. Right. And so, and there are days when I was like, mm, I see stuff on the page. And I'm like, I don't know that that just, it's too primitive. But um, I, I, I try to discipline myself to do both. Mm -hmm. But writing liturgical music, I just found, I thought, wow, I, stuff was just in my head. I don't know why it was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't sit down and say, well, now I'm going to write a liturgical piece. It's just like it just came you'd see you. you'd see some words, stuff would come out. You do your best to put it on paper. Now in those days, there was no such thing as you know the computer no. programs where you could do like you know paper uh, and pencil, the finale, yeah. Sibelius or Muse or any of those kind of things. You just yeah. you wrote it on by hand and you and you made copies and you passed it out to some choir people who, yeah. after a long day, came to choir practice and they're sitting there listening to a kid trying to tell them what to do. Yeah. Now, I mean, that scenario is just you know hysterical when you look back at it, back yeah. at it. But the the thing is, is that there was just something that was just prompting me to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just grew and grew and grew until finally one day, um, uh, after being in, in the parish for a long time, um, uh, I think it was in the 90s, if I remember correctly, I had sent a piece to GIA Publications. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had done a setting of, of Psalm 51. And I used the, the tune from... Um, Wondrous Love, which is a hymn tune. Da, da, dee, 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 dee. So I thought, you know what? That works. Maybe I could do that with like, you know, 
be merciful, O Lord, for we have sinned. Yeah. So I sent it to GIA and I heard nothing. Well, that's no surprise when you send yep. something to a publisher. You know, it's like it goes out, who knows where it goes. Mm -hmm. And so I sent a, a, an email um, back to the uh, person in charge and I said, just wanted to know if you were going to move on this, should I withdraw it, move on? And about a month or so later, they said, thanks for the nudge. We think this will work. And they sold many, many, many copies. Mm. And it was, I think they sold out the very first run of whatever they printed. Yeah. And, and to this day, I still see people online with, with their worship aids or recordings or whatever, where they're using this hymn, this, this psalm. That setting. Uh, that's for probably Wednesday the, and Lent. Yeah, that must be the most, I mean, that's really why you write. Well, not why, but I think that for you as a, to, to feel fulfilled, to hear someone else doing the setting that you wrote or the, the right. song that you wrote at mass um, um, in a little time that we have, because I did want to ask you a little bit. So you did say that you do prefer liturgical music to secular music, but you also obviously play secular music. You have a yeah, band, yeah. a secular band. Are yeah. you writing secular music as well? Or is it mostly just kind of like a cover band? Cover band, uh, yeah. you know, cover band, pop music, um, a variety of styles. Uh, I even have, uh, uh, we even do shows all in Italian because of my yeah. heritage, Italian, yeah, 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 being right. Italian, and, and play different places. And some of those pieces from those recordings have made it onto um, some other radio stations throughout the United States have been mm. oh, done, done some inter inter interviews in that, which is nice because that's another way to honor my heritage as Absolutely. well. Um, and, but, uh, but I, you know, I was, I was always um, glued to church music, liturgical music, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I even worked in college when I was at West Virginia Wesleyan, which is, actually a Methodist college here in West Virginia, yeah. uh, when they found that I could, when I knew something about liturgy and something about music and I was a music major there, I got, I got drafted to be on the worship staff, which was an ecumenical staff. Okay. And so I worked with a lot of people. I had a lot of ecumenical experience and a little bit of interfaith experience with some of the other uh, faith uh, mm -hmm. presences that would come together once in a while on campus. And then when I was, when I graduated, they said, could you stay on for a little while? Well, a little while went on for six years. Oh. And I said, okay, folks, this a little while is too long. So I think you need to have students start doing this like I did yeah. because I learned so much of it. Not all of the stuff was my favorite. Some of the stuff I was really, you know, mesmerized by, but some mm -hmm. of the things I learned, but it was a great experience. And I just think music overall uh, helps people's prayer um, or can. Uh, I yeah. think I think the si actually I think sometimes the silence that follows the music yes is where where it starts really to work on the heart yes and and I and I think there's there's a time for music and time for silence like you know we hear yeah. in Ecclesiastes and things like that but yeah. but uh, that's why I wrote Quiet My Soul and uh, and uh, we will get through the storm I wrote in response to the pandemic because I yes I just I just thought I still think we're in the storm yes, but we I think we're moving through it. Yeah. And I think it was I think it was interesting that Pope Francis comes out with that gospel when he yes, speaks in that empty piazza. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. and I thought I thought, well, you know what? I'm I'm kind of like, you know, uh, I'm kind of like on par here on, on, on key in, because that's where he was going with it. And I, that's what I just kept thinking. About, and that's what was in your heart. Yeah. And that's the song we heard that that at the beginning of the program, um, we will get through the storm. Yeah. Um, the song that you wrote in re response to the pandemic. And and to go back to what you said before, I, I, I mean, it's true that that the music will help us pray. I think God speaks to us through the music. And it doesn't mean that the lyrics necessarily have to be religious, quote unquote, but there's no, something in no. the music that I think leads can lead us, as you said, to prayer. And maybe that those moments come afterwards in the silence. Uh, Stephen, um, 
thank you so much for uh, sharing that with us and for sharing some of your music with us today and uh, for letting letting us get to know you a little better today. Thank you. Well, it's good. It's good to be here and um, hopefully we'll we'll stay in touch in some way. I know? would like that very much. Um, Stephen Pishner, you can find him and his music on YouTube. Just search for Stephen P. If you just type his name, actually, you'll find him, Stephen Pishner. Um, or you can also find his music anywhere you stream music. If you missed any part of this interview, just head on over to slmedia.org slash podcast. That's where you can find all our programs. And here now to take us out is Stephen Pishner with his uh, Pentecost single, Lord Sent Out Your Spirit. to Stephen Pishner with Lord Send Out Your Spirit and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at slmedia.org. Just look for our podcasts. You can also find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And you can email me, pedro at slmedia.org. Next week, We'll be learning about the men's retreat program, Exodus 90. You want to hear about that, you guys. And also, we'll be meeting Canadian singer-songwriter Danielle Savard. So, I hope that you can join us for next week's show. 
Remember to stay safe, continue praying for each other, and take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been The Salt and Light Out. Send out your spirit Send out your